0: We're living in the age of podcasting, which also means the age of podcast networks with large back catalogs, long running series, limited programming, and even cross network collaborations. How are publishers supposed to keep this all organized? with Spreaker, of course. Spreaker's customizable publisher plan lets you organize your content exactly how you want it and gives you enough pod tech tools to monetize the largest back catalogs. If you're into premium offerings for subscribers, check out Spreaker's customized RSS feeds to upload and schedule exclusive content with ease. Or use our campaign manager to manage different campaigns from one central platform. Once your podcast business gets big enough, you can even add multiple networks to one account and collaborators assigned to each one. That helps keep the true crime series away from the comedy podcasts and make sure you get the advertisements that will resonate the most with your listeners. So let's move from the age of podcasting to the age of the podcast network with Spreaker. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com.
2: I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy in talk uh, and glad to have you with us uh, today. No rip from the headlines. Special guest. We're going to be taking more time with somebody that we've had on the program many times. He's a personal and professional friend of mine and the program. And it's good to have him back. Scott Paul is our guest. He is president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. The AAM is a partnership that was established by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers Union. For over a decade now, Scott and the AAM have worked to make American manufacturing a top of mind issue for voters and our national leaders. And they've done very very successfully. And how have they done it? Through effective advocacy, innovative research, and a savvy PR strategy. Uh, more than a pleasure to have him back. A lot to talk about today. Scott Paul's in the house. Hey, Scott, thanks for being here with us again virtually. And uh, good to see you and yeah. uh, hear you as well. Yeah.
3: it is. Any human contact is good, even if it's virtual. So it's awesome to be with your listeners, and especially with you today, Leslie. Um, there's so much to talk about. Joe Biden has helped
2: uh, our conversation today, but let's start with something that is uh, not all things Joe Biden uh, or his economic plan. Um, there, you know, I didn't know about this, Scott, honestly, until you were going to be on the show, and I looked over the materials and you know, research for the show today. This is really interesting. Um, there's a new movie called Working Man. Um, it's a fictional film, but it depicts real life situations about how people who work in factories who get laid off and how plants that close can actually affect businesses, how they affect customers, of course, how they affect workers and those communities uh, that they live in. Uh, it stars Peter Garrity and Billy Brown as two factory workers from very different backgrounds. Um, tell us a bit about this and how this came about. And this is very timely in an election year where so many factory workers are being affected Um, Whether it's because they're essential in a time of COVID and a pandemic, um, or whether it be because they are casualties of corporations constantly shipping jobs and factories overseas.
3: Yeah, absolutely, Leslie. Um, First of all, people should just stream Working Man. Um, it's, It's unlike any other movie out there right now and any other movie that's that's been around for a long time. Um, and it is a true kind of working class story um, with the factory as kind of the center of it and set in a fictional town in the Midwest in a plastics factory that is just closed down. and uh, one of the workers is mourning a personal loss and obviously mourning the loss of his job and he just continues to show up for work every day. <laughs> packs his lunch pail, goes into work, sneaks into the factory, um, and then eventually he's joined by some of his uh, fellow workers, uh, and they start making stuff uh, again and filling some orders. And it's just a, um, you know, first of all, it's great to see any movie shot inside of a factory that's working, uh, as opposed to, like, The Terminator where Arnold is chasing someone through an abandoned factory, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, so, so it's nice to see the actual blue collar workers and, and to see this and to see what the importance of this is to the community. Now, I'll just say this, you know, this movie was a long time in the making. The director and writer is a guy named Bob Jury. He's from the Midwest, um, lives in Iowa City, is from a small industrial town like I am uh, in the Midwest. Had wanted to make this movie for a while, um, and then was able to get some funding and found some great actors. I mean, Peter Garrity, great character actor. He was in The Wire for many years, um, among other films. And then Talia Shire is just incredibly famous. Famous yeah. family, Adrian from Rocky. You know, she's from from the original Godfather. And then Billy Brown from How to Get How to Get Away with Murder. Um, you know, great a, a great cast, and it was truly for me a real pleasure, but you can, you know, you can get it on Apple or Amazon or Fandango or Voodoo or a couple of streaming services. You just have to drop a couple of bucks. Um, but, but it's well worth it. And it's just an interesting look into that kind of mythical blue collar worker that everybody has all these stereotypes and assumptions about. And and I think this movie does a beautiful job of kind of busting that, uh, and uh, busting that myth and also just telling a great story about, the meaning of the factory and work uh, to to the community as well.
2: I haven't seen it, but one of the things I read was that uh, Garrity, who plays the character Allery Parks, um, when he that factory works at a plastics factory, uh, closes its doors. Um, the strong statement that he makes he does without talking, and so the the acting is and and I actually love that kind of acting. One of my favorite. Uh, actors, Anthony Hopkins, he has just a look in Howard's end that shows how brilliant an actor he is because there's so much said without a word being uttered. And, And here I hear there's a very strong statement being made because he doesn't utter a word. It's his body language, his facial expressions that capture sadness, despair, anger, and hurt that so many people can identify with, especially now, right now, whether they work in a factory or not, after they receive their last paycheck. yeah. Um, and, and Because when somebody knows they're going to lose their job, we, I think we've all been there. I've been fired. I, I've been out of work. I've been scared of my life. What am I going to do? Especially, you know, when I wasn't married, I didn't have a second income, and I'm it, right? Um, it, it, you are sad. You are filled with despair. You are angry. You are hurt. You're fearful. You have anxiety. And, and I think it's so powerful that they chose, that the director chose to do that um, without any words just using the face and the body language
3: yeah it's pretty remarkable i mean if you're used to like reality tv or a big action movie you're gonna have to take a deep breath and uh get into this one a little bit ease into it but but you're absolutely right and i you know i'm like an amateur movie critic i guess but (laughs) but this was i mean again just his subtle gestures his You know, the paucity of words and then what he said was just profoundly meaningful at at the beginning of this leading into it. It was really it it was really phenomenal. And and I would just say that, you know, I've talked to some former factory workers who I know who who lost their jobs in the same way the factory. You know, there, there was a mass layoff or the factory closed down. And every one of them said, that's exactly how I felt. I, I felt completely lost when the factory closed, and all I wanted to do was pack a lunch pail, put on my work uniform, you know, get to work, punch the clock, uh, and get back to it. And I just felt lost and restless. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and And so I think that in that way, it, it's really authentic, um, that that feeling that you that you derive. From it, uh, and there's great other messages in here, like with respect to mental health and just the diversity of the workforce. That people didn't look at each other as white, black, or brown, male or female. It was uh, it, it was an exceptional kind of portrait of what a what a factory community uh, is like, and the ones that I have experienced around the country as well. Do you think that the film?
2: displayed and and really drove the point home that american manufacturing is so important to um uh, our our nation to our communities and to and to the american worker.
3: Yeah, it it does um and you know it, and also Leslie I would just say in the case of kind of life imitating art imitating life th- this film was set in a, an actual flat, a factory that made Plastics with injection molds. Um, So just think of like the I'm looking around um, my office, but but even like this case that the iPods, you know, something that's plastic and molded, you know, something like that. So this factory made that, and you know, lots of factories like that, injection molders, went out of business over the last two decades as that work migrated to China. There were a few nimble factories that stayed in business and the actual factory where this was set mccray manufacturing was one of those and they managed to find different types of products as consumer preferences varied but they finally ran out of luck as well and so while the movie was being shot the factory was still open and they shot the movie on the weekends basically but since then the factory has closed down um, mm. and, uh, I had a very profound conversation that will be on our podcast about with, with the director and also with the general manager of the factory, just what it was like to go back in there after, after all of mm. this was done. And so it was really, it, it was really sad. And, and I, I will just say, you know, there's not a lot of happy endings when it comes to a flat factory closure, but the general manager helped to find opportunities for a lot of the workers there. So, um, oh wow! So, so that's not always the case, but just used his connections, and and at the time the economy was still good. I don't know what's happened to them, obviously over the last few months, but it's, uh, you know, it, it was heartbreaking to hear that as well, because, mm. you know, there was just too much import competition yeah. from countries like China, and they 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 couldn't stay in business, and that's that's losing thousands of communities around him, around the
1: country.
2: The film is a working man showing factory life. Uh, is more than just about factories.
1: If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com.
2: I'm Leslie Marshall. Thank you for listening. For those of you watching on Periscope, thank you for joining us. Us is me, Leslie Marshall, and our guest, Scott Paul. He's president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Uh, good to have him with us. And we are talking about a new film called Working Man that shows factory life is more than just about factories. Um, just um, just uh, finishing up here, uh, you know, Scott. One of the things, and I know some people might think this is sexist, but actually, there are many studies. Harvard and others have done studies that men experience layoffs and terminations much more harshly than women. It can affect their um, ability to have sex. Uh, it can affect their health. Uh, they have, you know, great anxiety. They can develop heart disease. Um, they can overeat. They can uh, drink. They can end up with some kind of mental illness or depression. And I say that. Uh, because the character here is unable to accept that plant closure. It's it's also about um, him being unable to accept this new normal. And that's really how many American workers feel, men and women. But there are so many uh, men um, who work in factories. Women do too, but there are more men that work in factories than uh, women, um, especially because societally, it's not always the case, but most families, the man is the breadwinner or 50% of the breadwinner and families and, and really feels that society or family has placed a lot of pressure on their shoulders to be that provider, um, you know, to, to, to be the one uh, that takes care of everything. And um, I say that because I haven't seen the film yet, but when I hear what the film is about and I hear about things that this character is going through, it reminds me of some of those studies that I've read.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's a, um, and it's not sexist, I, I, I would just say, uh, at all. W- one of the interesting layers on top of what you said, Leslie, is that for men, most of their social networks are employment-based as well, and particularly for men who don't have a college degree. And so when they lose that, when they're not going to work or you know they drop they drop out of the workforce that way they lose that social networks that that social network that they have um and, and it is oftentimes hard for 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 them to to get it back and for a while at least the types of new jobs that were being created particularly for people who may not have a four-year college credential um were were professions that traditionally no more but traditionally Females were funneled into those like in healthcare and males were not. I mean, that is shifting dramatically Mm -hmm. now, but it certainly was, was, was the case. And so you see, I, I, you, you see it at the, at at the, you know, there's one great scene in this movie where, you know, the, the factory has closed and a few of them go to the unemployment office and Allery, this older worker, Peter Garrity goes by and says, you know, catches someone coming out and he's about to go in and, the the gentleman says look you know they're they're going to they're going to get you in a computer class or something like that i can't remember the line exactly and so Allergy just walks right just turns right around and uh, and walks away because he's like that's not for me that's not this that that that's not what i'm going to do like i'm i'm well into my you know i i'm close to retirement and i'm i'm not going to learn a, a new trick here so 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 it is true and and i do think that bob jury the director and the writer of this Really captured the sense of community and camaraderie that the that the factory uh, that the workers had, mm-hmm. and, and 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 their families, and and it was just. I mean, it was really. It may seem quaint to people who live in large apartment buildings in urban areas to see people walking to work from bungalows. Yeah. But honestly, that that's still a lot of America. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it is that that is that is out there, um, and they are you know, forgotten, I'm not using the Donald Trump term here, but we just, I mean, it's not glamorous. uh, And uh, it's where people call flyover country. It's where I'm from. And they generally get ignored in pop culture, but they're the uh, heartbeat and soul of our country. They
2: they make it
1: great. Yeah. And
3: a lot of people can relate. Uh, to hear
2: more about the film, I want you to check out Scott's interview from uh, from this uh, this week with the film's stars, Peter Garrity and Talia Shire, who not only was Adrian and Rocky, uh, but she also is Francis Ford Coppola's niece, I believe. And she's been in The Godfather and uh, just a great actress, Peter Garrity, great actor. Um, And uh, you, you, you want to check it out because they talk about what working on Working Man as actors revealed to them. And where can you find that? Go to SoundCloud.com forward slash. Keep uh, hyphen it hyphen made hyphen in hyphen America. SoundCloud.com forward slash keep hyphen it hyphen made hyphen in hyphen America. Uh, and we'll provide all of that on our social media sites. Uh, Working Man is also now streaming on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Google Play, Vudu, V-U-D-U, and Fandango. Um, Well, let that segues perfectly, Scott, to, um, you know, keep it working man and uh, to your keep it made in America, because Joe Biden, former Vice President Biden, who is the Democratic nominee for president uh, for this upcoming general election, presidential election in November, uh, has proposed a 400 billion by America Procurement Program. Last Wednesday, as COVID-19 testing sites and healthcare workers across the country raised the alarm about the dwindling uh, stockpiles of testing and personal protective equipment, the PPE, the Democratic presidential candidate, Joe Biden, released the outline of a plan to reshore supply chains for in-demand medical items and other critical products. But he didn't just do that, he went a step further. The next day, on Thursday, the Biden camp went a step further, released a comprehensive manufacturing policy proposal, no small potatoes, 400 billion commitment to buy America procurement program, 300 million budget for research and development to next generation industry technology. Biden says with that he can create five million American jobs. Now there are of course those on the right uh, that pan uh, this. Uh, but being somebody who, who who cries buy American from the hilltop almost on a daily basis, Scott, what's your take on the manufacturing policy proposal? and on the uh, commitment to a buy america procurement program and uh, the additional budget for research and development to create those jobs uh, that joe biden and the biden camp have put forth
3: it, it, look it, it's a great plan and if you're if you're looking at this just from a a rational perspective and just doing an analysis that's apolitical what you need are resources uh, and he provides that through the 400 billion for procurement, the $300 billion for research and innovation. Uh, and then you need the rules. Uh, and, and the rules are that you're going to make it in the United States, uh, that you're going to make it in the United States of America. Um, and the, those are basically, it's just like you know, uh, flour, water, yeast, and salt is how you make it. You don't need a lot of ingredients to make a good industrial policy. And, and he really nailed it. Uh, so I, you know, my hat tip to, to Joe Biden I mean, I will I'll be very honest. You know, I I've had a lot of disagreements with him on trade policy on on the past, and you know, I think that you know he's he's obviously listening to people and to working class people about all of this. But this is an issue that um, you know Donald Trump talks incessantly about: buy America, hire America. You heard it virtually every day so i you know but he hadn't done much and and we can certainly get into that and so uh biden basically played the buy america card and all trump could say was like oh plagiarism um but you know you can't copy nothing Uh, because trump really hasn't done anything on this and so so kudos to joe biden and and obviously we have to make it real But but it's a very good start. Hold
2: that thought, Scott. We will make it real on the other side of this break with you and hear more about that. Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, our guest here on the Leslie Marshall Show. Don't go away.
1: Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets.
2: We are back. The Alliance. American Manufacturing. And uh, by the way, I want you to check out the website, AmericanManufacturing.org. On Twitter, follow the AAM at Keep It Made in USA. Also follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. On Instagram, follow at American Manufacturing. And on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash American Manufacturing. Scott, thank you for holding. Welcome back. We are talking about Joe Biden's proposal of $400 billion uh, in a Buy America program procurement uh, program. Um, This is a huge proposed investment, uh, Scott, uh, a a proposal and and an investment in domestic industry that some people think is more than a lofty goal uh, that tends to be a key pillar of Biden's wider economic policy platform that he's rolling out over the summer, some of which
3: we saw rolled out today. Is it lofty? Is it realistic? I think it's very realistic. Um, In fact, when you look at kind of the type of public investment that we need to make, be pumping into the economy to replace all of the activity and to kind of boost it up, uh, it, it, it may actually be on the low side. Um, <laughs> and, and I know that sounds odd, but let's not forget that, you know, the Trump administration and Republicans gave corporations like a trillion dollar tax cut. That they basically, you know, bought some marshmallows and made s'mores out of it on a fire because it didn't help the economy at all. It helped their shareholders um, with stock buybacks, uh, eight hundred billion dollars alone in in 2018. But it it wasn't in the real economy. So so this would help. And and I guess the thing about it, just so your listeners know, is is Buy America is a, is important. Th- this is not like a nativist thing. Like I'm against Mexico or I'm against China. This is about our tax dollars, and when when we're procuring, when we're procuring things with our tax dollars, like bridges or uh, electronic equipment or uh, clothes for our military um, or, or rail cars, um, we've had a preference for a very long time that says we should give uh, American firms that are making this in the United States the first shot. You know, and if they can make it, that's great. If it costs too much, yeah, we can. We might waive that requirement or whatever. But but it gives basically our our own taxpayers the first shot at getting these dollars back. And it's been a good virtuous cycle. And Ronald Reagan supported expanding it, and you know, FDR supported it. So it's had a lot of different support. Um, and and you know, the thing. I guess the thing about it is that Trump promised, "I'm going to do Buy America, Hire America." Talked about it big time. First week of his administration says I'm going to do this for our energy pipelines. Do Buy America, um, never happened. Uh, then he said I'm going to look at all the areas of government where we're not gonna where we're not doing Buy America, but we should be, uh, and then we're going to do it. And so they may have identified some of those areas, but they never did anything about it. So so he has been all talk, no action on on Buy America. And we know, and I'm just going to be political here for a second. I mean, look, we know what his instincts are based on how he ran his business, which was not made in America at all. And so the, the dude is a poser when it comes to buy america um, i want that soundbite the dude yeah, is a poser <laughs> he, he he just is i mean he he made his ties in mexico and china and his his cheesy suits overseas too and the make
2: america great again hats the maga hats yeah.
3: so I mean, so i just i i don't think that that his instincts are are really to do this i think it you know for him it's like red meat I guess, for the base, but what I think what Joe Biden uncovers here is that, like, look, this is a serious policy issue that is gonna create manufacturing jobs and construction jobs in the United States. We need to get the unemployment rate down. We need to stimulate the economy. We have a backlog of investment that needs to be done in uh, waterworks and bridges and roads and transit systems and everything, Uh, 5G. And, and 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 let's get to it right let's 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 get to well, it well this is what
2: this is one way that you kill more than two birds with one stone to your point you know another thing is if we haven't learned anything from this pandemic i hope that we would learn that our dependence on foreign made items can actually kill us as we yeah. saw with china making ventilators that didn't work properly that we had a delay in getting and if we make these kinds of things here uh, god forbid we have another covid-19 in the future which probably is inevitable yeah. um right you know i mean even if it's in 50 or 100 years um you know for our for our kids and our grandkids or great grandkids in the future um you know we need to reduce that dependence upon foreign made materials and yeah. you know it's a win-win-win because one we're going to have better products two it helps create more jobs which reduces unemployment three uh that the people buying that money uh, have buying that money getting that money go out and buy things consumerism increases which helps the economy four it helps morale and I always question America was number one in manufacturing almost forever and then that stopped yeah. and for you know, Americans like being number one come on we like winning yeah. right um yeah. and and, and yeah. we, we we don't like to be number two number ten or whatever you know, why wouldn't, you know, Americans uh, fight for that? I've talked to, I've mentioned this a billion times, you know, as a kid, my grandmother, I I looked at this pretty teacup, she turned it over and she said, made in China, it's crap, put it back. And also that union song, I'm not trying to age myself, right? When you were, you know, uh, shopping, look for the union label, I'm not going to sing it, I'll scare people, we'll lose (laughs) listeners and viewers. But, I mean, what is wrong? It is not a Republican thing. It is not a Democratic thing. It's not even a patriotic thing, quite frankly, to buy American for people that don't like to be aligned with patriotism. Um, it's a common sense thing. It's a smart thing for the economy, for employment, and for national security. And with what we've just been through with COVID, um, why do we want to help China become number one in manufacturing? Because they're ahead of us.
3: Yeah, Yeah, and and we, we, I mean, this, you know, we've had a number of conversations about this during this crisis, that we were just, we didn't have the stockpiles, we didn't have the production capacity, we were too dependent on imports, those supplies dried up as they were being sucked in by China and other countries, and we ended up with shortages, and there are reports in Florida and Texas and Arizona, where you're seeing these big surges, that there again are shortages of PPEs for the healthcare workers. Right. And you would think that five or six months into this thing that we could get our act together, but there's been absolutely no leadership from the federal government on this. There's actually a law called the Defense Production Act, the DPA, where they can say, this factory, you're gonna make this many this many masks and you're gonna make this many ventilators and you're gonna do this. And, and they have just, and they use this very selectively. Um, and, and we do have more ventilators now but all the other protective equipment, um, we're, we're again—it's just like as soon as it's getting made, it is—it is going out the door to someone who desperately needs that. Hey, look, that, that that's not yeah. an exaggeration. My husband's an orthopedic surgeon. He yeah. um,
2: has come into contact with COVID patients because he's operated on some that found out they were positive after the surgery. So my husband gets tested every week. He also has a 91-year-old father that's of ill health. He travels to see him because he's traveling uh, to put not only his, his dad, my father-in-law at less risk, but also me and our kids, okay. he's getting tested all the time. He has one N95 mask that was given to him by the hospital. One, and he was told, this is your mask. It's not very healthy, by the way, for for medical professionals or anyone to continue to wear their masks. Um, On on a different note, with regard to this, um, identifying weakened supply chains and spending to strengthen and reassure them, you you and the Alliance for American Manufacturing think that's a great idea. Can you explain to our listeners and viewers
3: why? Yeah, yeah, and we've been talking about this for a long time. and think of it this way. We have I mean look, we're we're pretty we're a pretty good country at making automobiles, um, for instance, and making a lot of a lot of defense armaments. We have a lot of vision when it comes to making tech products, but we don't have a lot of capability, actually. Almost all of that resides overseas. We do make some semi semiconductors here, but most of this phone right here is from China and Taiwan and Indonesia and Japan and Korea. And you know that our world's gonna become even more sophisticated when it comes to these electronics. So we just we just don't have that capability. And so we need that. And and Leslie, as we were just talking about, for 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 critical health security, for national security. If we want to build out an electrical grid, we sure want that to be American made. Um, our our 5G system, I mean, everybody's heard of uh, Huawei. And and the challenges there, and they answer to the Chinese government right. and, and turn their data over to the Chinese government. We, we we have to do a better job of this. And and the problem is we have a president who talks about this a lot, like it's a big priority for him, and then does virtually nothing. Right. So just just gives know. it just gives it lip service. Yeah. We're gonna yeah. take a break.
2: We're gonna be talking uh, about some legislation aiming to shape a national manufacturing strategy. By the way. Biden's onto something. Former senior Trump advisor Steve Bannon said that Biden's Buy America pro- proposal is, quote, very smart. The campaign and White House have been caught flat footed. So it's not just those on the left thinking this is a good idea. Uh, we'll be back with our guest, Scott Paul, president of the AAM. They're our
3: next-door neighbors, and you can actually see Russia from land here in Alaska.
1: She might not be able to see Russia from her backyard, but she's no dummy. Leslie Marshall, she can talk politics, and she actually is smarter than a fifth grader. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show.
2: Paul, president of the AAM. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Paul AAM. Follow the AAM on Twitter at Keep It Made in USA. The website is AmericanManufacturing.org. On Instagram, follow them at American Manufacturing. And on Facebook, Facebook Facebook.com forward slash American Manufacturing. Scott, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Uh, Let's move on to uh, another issue. Uh, New legislation aiming to shape a national manufacturing strategy. whether it's uh, ventilators that are made, you had talked about you know, PPE, testing swabs, even hospital beds. Um, right now, America's manufacturers, um, their workers are essential workers and they've been working overtime uh, to meet our needs as a nation during this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, Scott, there's been very little guidance from the government as those manufacturers try to navigate what's going on in the future. A lot of people thought we would have COVID phase one behind us by now, especially with summer. Uh, My husband says every day they're finding something new about COVID that they knew or thought they knew. And then uh, something they thought they knew turns out not to be true. Um, You had talked about in the last segment, DPA, the Defense Production Act, empowering the president to compel U.S. manufacturers to produce goods critical to national defense. It's only been implemented three times during the pandemic does it need to be implemented more so that manufacturers have a little more certainty as to how to navigate these very uncertain waters during this very uncertain time uh, with this COVID-19 pandemic among us? Yeah.
3: I, I mean, the, the answer is unquestionably yes. There's no downside to do it because, I mean, Congress is is willing to spend money on things, and we need to direct that in, in a way that makes a lot of sense. and And we need to help people who don't have jobs, who have problems uh, uh, making bills, small businesses. I, and I am for 100% of that. We also need to think about these capabilities. And, and again, you, both your husband's experience, the experience of a lot of those workers in New York City, in the, the initial surge cities and where they're happening now is unconscionable in a developed country like the United States that we're, where we like to view ourselves um, as 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 being um, you know as being just completely different and, and above everything, and so first we need the strategy. Senator Peters from Michigan has been working on this issue for a long time. Gary Peters and I'm I'm glad he has this bill because there. I mean we have an agriculture program, we have an oil and gas program, uh, we have a healthcare program. It we it needs a lot of work, but we have a healthcare program. We don't have a manufacturing program. There's not even a manufacturing department. You know, it's it, it spread wow. across a bunch of different agencies. And it just doesn't make sense, particularly when you're competing against trillions of dollars that the Chinese government invests in its firms. Or you have coordinated strategies that, that the German government, the Japanese government, the Korean government, all our competitors have something. And, and for us, it's just like, well, just go out there and, and kind of figure it out. It, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So, yes, we need the strategy. Uh, and, and second, we need this Defense Production Act deployment to be a part of it. And there's no downside in overproducing the PPEs right now mm-hmm. because you can stockpile them. In case let, there is a second wave. That's right. <laughs> and I also feel very, very strongly about this that we traditionally have come to the aid of others when, when they have needed it, whether it's been, you know, with 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 military support, financial support, disaster support, I don't think we're helping anyone, really, right now around the world. And this is, and these developing countries don't have the hospital system or the healthcare system or any of uh, any of the infrastructure that we need. And so, even if we do make too many of these, this this is good aid to give um, as, as well once we get to that point. And we're just not in a position to do that right now. And it's just, I mean, it's embarrassing to me as someone who. That's the way that you spread values around the world is to demonstrate your goodwill, your leadership, and it's been incredibly incompetent. Uh, during- and also increase
2: uh, better relations uh, with other countries. Your allies are countries you want to be allies so on an international level across the board. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned that the Trump administration has largely, uh, you know, uh, rather than you know putting forth the DPA, which the president has the power to do. Um, relegating that type of decision to state and local governments um, to battle for that medical equipment by themselves. Now, there are people out there that go, well, I think it's a good idea, less federal government, more state and local. But can you talk about why this is bad and and what this has led to uh, by relegating uh, the DPA to state and local governments uh, battling for that medical equipment by themselves without assistance or guidance from the federal government?
3: Yeah, it's like, first of all, it's a diversion of resources, because you're spending time trying to hunt down sources of PPEs, not only in the United States, but all over the world. I mean, the governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan, who's a Republican, um, who's done, a, I think, a reasonably good job of responding to this in-state, you know, chartered a plane and went to Korea to get some and bring it back, which was which was incredibly innovative. I was I, I mean, I wish they came from America, but they just didn't exist yeah. at the time. And so I think what we, if if you have that federal leadership, the the, the hospitals, others desperately need this, spend less time trying to go out there and, and, you know, do these Wild West auctions and and try to find all of this stuff and end up, I I remember the New England Patriots, Bob Kraft brought back masks from China that turned out to be junk, actually. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, I mean, it's a foolish and unproductive and inefficient system. This is the time to have a strong federal response. And I know there are people out here who said, give me liberty, I don't want a big federal government. But this is when you need it right. in a national emergency like this uh, to, to, to 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 help smooth some of this out because it is not a functioning market. If anybody who believes let the market take care of it, that is not the way it's working. You're going to get underbid. You're going to get overbid. There'll be special favors. And it is just, it's an insane environment. And believe me, I've talked to people who are making PPEs, who pivoted manufacturers and who are making PPEs now, and and they get calls from all over the place. And there's just literally like no coordination. So every day, like they may have a van going out. They may find some that they're getting on to a railroad somewhere. They may be shipping some out as well. It's just, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, Absolutely crazy. It makes no sense And it is not, I mean, you don't want to do like an online kind of experiment in the midst of a crisis where people are dying. You want a strong, smart, coordinated response that's going to make sure we get the resources from trusted suppliers and we get them to where they need to go efficiently. That's that's not what's happening.
2: Well, you know, you had talked about having a surplus so that we could share it with people throughout the world that need it. And our deficiency in that area is being seized upon by somebody we're in competition with strongly in manufacturing in other areas, and that's China, right? They're seizing upon our deficits in the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, talk about what they're doing with their factories, because they're, they're pretty much killing it. They're dominating uh, with PPP and the PPP uh, market. And it would yeah. seem that they are more prepared for the next global outbreak of COVID or almost anything else. And, and we are willingly or willfully allowing them to push us down uh, beneath them as number one.
3: Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not obviously going to suggest that we emulate anything that China is doing. Right. They have their own system. It has lots of downsides. But one thing is clear. Um, th- they made sure that they were pretty prepared for for, for, for this, for at least taking care of those uh, their own people. And We know from a lot of research that's been done inside China, looking at Chinese officials uh, from the government and, and the institutions that support them, that they viewed this crisis as an opportunity to expand their leadership profile at our expense globally. And so that's exactly what they're trying to do. And so in Africa, in other developing parts of the world, they're going in with a lot of relief, unfortunately. Some of the products end up being substandard and they're yeah. not particularly helpful. But they're able to do this uh, because they had a plan, a strategy. And I, you know, our government like willfully ignored this, pretended like it didn't exist for weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks. And only the Defense Production Act, uh, when we were like, you know, two months after like the first case appeared. And and then there's supposed to we were talking about Buy America. There was supposed to be this Buy America executive order on pharmaceuticals because there was this fear because like for antibiotics, 80 percent of the active ingredients of the leading antibiotics come from China, India, Italy, who yeah. were all under siege at the time. And 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 so the White House was talking about it. Never happened. We still don't have this. <laughs> so we we still yeah. have this, this this deficiency. And it just it's just baffling to me. It's a failure of leadership. I'm glad that people like Senator Pe- Pe- Peters. Uh, Joe Biden are proposing solid things. I think they deserve bipartisan support um, because we we need to move forward. And politically,
2: this is a win either way. I mean, if you say,
3: hey, I can help the healthcare workers that
2: you're going to end up seeing in the ER and the ICU. You spoke about Senator Gary Peters. He's Democrat from Michigan. You mentioned it. I want to re-mention it. Last Wednesday, he introduced legislation with the aim of coordinating a national manufacturing strategy. And if passed, it would establish an independent federal institute, the National Institute of Manufacturing. And it would be led by a chief manufacturing officer to function as a hub for federal manufacturing programs. We need that in America. Scott, we you here on the show. I'm glad to have you. Scott Paul president of the AAM. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Paul AAM. Follow Scott on, uh, at Scott Paul AAM on Twitter at Made in USA. The website, Americanmanufacturing.org Instagram at American Manufacturing, and Facebook Facebook.com forward slash American Manufacturing. Love you, Scott. Virtual hug. We'll have you back on the show soon, and uh, I hope you and your family are well. Thanks for being with us
3: today. Hey, thank you, Leslie. Thanks so much. You. Peace
1: a little play to your day with the Michigan Lottery. Over
2: 90 online instant games to choose from with prizes up to $500,000. A Marquette County woman recently won $250,000
1: playing online. Could you be next? Sign up online today to receive 10 free games with promo code FUN. Visit MichiganLottery.com
2: to add a little play to your day. I'm an emergency medical technician. I've worked a lot of vehicle crashes. And too often, alcohol is involved. I've seen so many lives lost. Some were drunk drivers. Some were just people going about their day. All because someone was drinking and said, I'm okay to drive. It's not okay.
1: Police are cracking down on impaired drivers now. So drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the Michigan Office of Highway Safety Planning.